From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. All experts agree this is going to get worse. The NHS will not be able to cope and more people will die. This is the most aggressive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. 1,564 people have died on a single day. The UK has one of the highest COVID death rates. But we now have a new variant. 1,700 students have been told to self-isolate in their rooms on campus. If you don't follow the rules, the police will have the power. Issued almost £40,000. You don't know who to trust. Biggest vaccination programme in our history. Other age groups are encouraged to come forward for their jabs. Conspiracy theories exploit a lack of trust in the government. When Hertfordshire Council asked young adults how they felt about COVID, they kept coming back to the same question. Do we care enough about it anymore? In March 2020, our worlds were turned upside down. Socialising effectively became a criminal act and we missed out on all the things we were supposed to be doing. But everything's back to normal now, right? No more restrictions, in the UK at least. Life has returned to how it was. It's time to move on. Or not. I'm Andrea Lucia Peters, although if you recognise my voice, you might know me as Crispy Lucia on TikTok. In this series of podcasts, I'm going to be talking with other TikTokers and digital creators about how our lives have changed and what a post-pandemic world might look like. Sex and relationships. For large parts of 2020 and 2021, it was decreed by law that everyone who did not share a household could not physically interact, which meant unless you were one of the very few young people that had the commitment and the funds, you were under a sex ban. There'll be no mixing of households anywhere indoors or in private gardens. If you don't follow these rules, then the police will enforce them. So from midnight tonight, we are banning households meeting up indoors. There was no legal mixing we could do with people outside of our household. So what was the effect of this chastity belt on the under 20s? And what is it like to navigate the dating scene now in this ambiguous post-COVID future? We're gonna be getting all that good good in this episode, where we'll be talking about this and more with some very special guests I'm sure you'll recognize. This is Who Cares About COVID? With me, Crispy Lucia. So, before we get down and dirty, could we all introduce ourselves, our handles, and our niches? Okay, yeah, I'll go first. Hi, my name is Harry, you might recognise me on TikTok as the Champagne Socialist. My niches are looking at sort of British politics and current affairs and trying to navigate it and make it accessible to a larger audience. Yeah. I'm Sophia Smith-Gaylor. I am a journalist, broadcaster and author. I'm on TikTok as Sophia Smith-Gaylor, no surprise there. And what kind of content do I make? Well, I guess it varies. It's not super niche but it will vary from my journalism to my book that's on debunking sex myths that came out last month to languages and just interesting facts and, and things that I find out in my day-to-day. Wonderful. Big fan of you both, so very grateful we're all doing this together. The theme of today's episode is sex, baby. So let's get down to business. Were we getting off during the pandemic? Um, well, actually, I started dating my girlfriend during the pandemic. It was a weird one because obviously I knew her beforehand. We had met before. And then when COVID-19 started, 
obviously we went back home, but we weren't sort of together and sort of navigating it. And because of the the rules in place, it was incredibly difficult to try and navigate because you want to have a meaningful relationship, but at the same time, respect the rules. As someone who had basically spent a lot of time in lockdown, um, as everyone else had, it was hard. And you did feel that you wanted some human contact. You wanted to do that. So yeah, trying to navigate, definitely trying to navigate the rules. It was difficult because I think the government didn't make it very clear a lot of the time. And especially, I remember there was that interview with Matt Hancock on the Kay Burley show. Yeah. And it was asking sort of about this sex bubble. And you could sort of see him looking quite awkward. And obviously a few months later, we found out why. It was, uh, yeah. What about you, Sophia? I had a very similar experience and started video dating someone, yeah, in, at right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we're still together now. When the world returned to normal, it was lovely, really, because it was doing all the kind of fun first date kind of stuff, but when it was certainly not the first date, if that makes sense. Um, So I actually find that, especially where it came in my life, and obviously this is very subjective and reliant on the wonderful person I've met, it was actually sort of one of the best things that could have happened to me. It sort of slowed things down in a dating culture that for me had become very fast paced and quite disposable. So it was the soothing balm that I needed and has been, you know, really fulfilling and exciting. That is so lovely to hear. So the pandemic in all of its horrible mess did kind of force you to slow down in a way that you could find this person. I think so. Yeah. That's so nice to hear. Um, And you guys are still going strong. Yeah. And I realised that I'm the only couple that I know quite like this. I also have a couple of friends. When I think about it, in different friendship groups, I'm the only one. And in other friendship groups, there's like maybe one other couple that's like this. I wouldn't say it's by any means the norm. I'm just about to turn 28. And of the my kind of female mates in my age group, A lot of them were already settled down, actually. I was one of the few who wasn't. You were just go, 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 work, 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 maybe? Yeah. So I think I'm very grateful what happened because had... I think I would have felt pretty lonely. I felt like quite different social contexts. So I really... I I feel very smug. I feel very, like, fortunate. And it's... We'll get onto it, but we know from the research that's coming out from the pandemic that for a lot of people, unfortunately, it hasn't been this obviously remarkable experience. And it's been really, really challenging for people in a way that isn't talked about nearly enough. Yeah. So we'll get onto that. For sure. We will. And now that both of you are telling me your smug stories, I thought it's only best that I share mine, which was not nearly as beautiful as both the tales. Harry, are you still with your girlfriend now? I am still, yeah, we're still going strong. I would definitely agree with what Sophia said in that sense. It's definitely made it a lot more stronger. Ah, oh, <laughs> I'm so happy for you both. <laughs> so I had like a pandemic relationship, which is one that started and ended in the sense that like it started during one of the phases in which we were allowed to be out. So, you know, dating, hanging out, like this is fun. And then we were together for most of the pandemic. And then the gates opened up, the borders opened up. I went to Costa Rica and I was like, I think I was just in this to not be alone. And she felt the same way. It was very mutual. I think she went on a trip to Devon and it was like, you know, girl, 
I don't think we have that much in common. I think you were like the only person I could have met in the last two years. Really happy for each other, but we don't know each other that well. And I think there are many people who were in similar style pandemic situationships because they just didn't want to be alone because it's fundamental human nature. And especially with young people, I think that it's totally normal to want some form yeah. of social intimacy. I was just going to say that sounds completely normal. <laughs> well, I think at the time of the restrictions as well, and the only sort of contact you would have would be people within your immediate household, for example. So it was me, my parents and my brother. And sort of obviously you speak to other people outside of it, but it's almost like sort of what's going on in the outside world, what's going on where, where you are. A lot of time I think the pandemic sort of brought people closer together in a way. I found it when I went back to university as well with my housemates. Definitely, we became a lot closer because we had spent so much time together. Mm. And we what we actually a case where one of my uh, housemates caught COVID. Thankfully, she was asymptomatic. It was completely fine. We had still had to do the two-week isolation. It's going to sound weird, but it was actually one of the best experiences I've had at university. Very sort of weird because like we were so tight-knit and sort of like the sort of the camaraderie in a way and feeling that, you know, everything's going to be okay. We're all looking out for one another. I felt a lot of that camaraderie at the start as well. I do wonder, I mean, we were all sort of coupled up. I had a similar sense of feeling kind of smug that the stars aligned in a way and that I found someone to be with in a period of lockdown and how deeply unfair it was that because you hadn't met someone in, let's say, August of 2020, you were now going through this isolation from a crucial phase in your development, which is either your late teens or your early 20s of being, you know, intimate with someone else, having a relationship, having maybe like your first time in this way or that way. It felt, I do feel in many ways that like, what is the effect of us being robbed, perhaps, of that phase of experimentation? And that is something that researchers in public health are concerned about. So there was a study that came out not too long ago, it was in the last year or a couple of years maybe, that tried to get a sense of how the pandemic had affected British sex lives. And one of the findings towards the end of it, when, when the researchers are concluding their results, they said that it's been the most negative for non-cohabiting couples and young single people, which is, is what we've just been describing. But in thinking also about young adult age groups who, like you describe, this, these are formative years in which a lot of us have our first relationships and have our first sexual experiences, it was likely to de delay sexual debut and it was likely to have disturbed those experiences that we all learn a lot from and to be mindful of the effect that this was going to have and it was likely to have a negative sexual health outcome. So in, in loads of the research that I had to read for my book, when you look at information around sexual debut, in one instance, young people who think that they haven't had sex and they should have had sex by this point and it's something that you feel stressed about rather than feel this is very normal because we've all gone through it. We're all in the same boat. Feeling out of sync with your peers is something that we know it leads to, to lower self-esteem, lower you know positive mental health, for example. We also know that Anyway, when it comes to sexual debut in the UK, we don't have stellar 
figures in terms of how happy and healthy everyone is. So when young people have sex for the first time, I really deliberately don't like using the phrase losing your virginity. It's something that I, I challenge a lot in my book, but a lot of young people are led to discuss first time sex as have you done it yet? Like have you lost your virginity? And that's, that's kind of it. And that normally yeah. someone is asking that because they want to find information on a singular often penetrative moment, which isn't remotely inclusive for a lot of social groups, right? But how they'd measure it is by asking four questions. Did the this first time happen at the perceived right time for you? Were you autonomous in your decision-making? Did you use contraception? And were you both equally willing as each other? That's what they ask. And... The figures are embarrassing for the UK. A really, really high proportion of young people are not sexually competent. They would not tick all those four boxes. One in five young women are not as equally willing as their partner the first time that they have sex. It's worth adding the caveat here that a lot of sex research is very heteronormative and very, it will almost always be measuring cis people as opposed to including trans and non-binary. But I also found that 40% of young women and 26% of young men did not believe that their first time happened at the perceived right time. So those are pre-pandemic numbers. Already shocking. Imagine the effect of a pandemic that is only going to mix a lot of those things up for the worst. Yeah. In my experience, I definitely feel like when I had my sexual debut, which I will now, it's a term I will now be using, I already felt like if it's not before a certain age... I'll be such a loser. And this is considering someone who I considered myself a feminist, not heteronormative, had all these other things that you think, oh, she's super confident. I still was like, if I don't lose it by a certain point, I will be uh, a social reject, a social loser. And to imagine the added pressure of, okay, so I would have missed that timeline if I was stuck in a pandemic. How does that make me feel? I can only imagine how people younger than us with all those conflicting feelings, uh, are made to feel. Harry, I see you nodding along. Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking about my own personal experience. I lost mine when I was young. Actually, when I think back on it now, I was like, I wasn't ready at all. Um, it wasn't someone that I particularly had strong feelings for. And then actually when I lost it with someone who I keep using that phrase but I think that's because I'm so used to it when I did it for the first time with another person uh when I was about a year or so older who was probably like my first sort of relationship saying it it felt a lot better because this was someone that I built a connection with I would say in terms of the pan with the pandemic me and my my partner now had already done it before the pandemic and everything had happened. It was a very sort of weird situationship as such. So we'd already kind of made that step away. I don't know if you have any course mates or people from uni that you think, okay, I'm in a relationship. I feel quite confident. Because I just know in my own life, I have peers that I saw throughout uni really go through those fundamental sexual experiences, but who missed that and now perhaps feel slightly differently. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like part and parcel of university, you know. It was I always say I was only about halfway through my freshest week that I found out you could get a degree at uni. <laughs> um, it, you know, to me, I think, it's, and I think to a lot of people, it was just seen as like party sex and all that jazz. Oh, I got a third in my first year. Like, that was very much me. 
so I can relate. I don't even remember my, I think I got like a two on or something, but I think because most of my university experience has been Zoom calls and vibes. It's only really a, sort of a proper sort of university experience as such. Because what I always say, people say, well, what was university like for you? And it's like, my experience will be completely different to yours. And that is a good thing. And then at the start of my third year, when things had opened up, you could go back to clubs, provided that you were vaccinated. You could, um, it, I, th- I could see like a lot of people Moving mad is not the right word, but it was definitely much like a right. I, I've basically spent a year cooped up. I need to. Uh, I need to sort of let loose. Set a free. year of celibacy. And be someone who at the time was in a relationship, just sort of watching all of it and just being like, "You lot disgusting." It's, <laughs> it's sort of like it's like have some composure. You're acting like you've never seen a woman before. Like, come on, guys, like, some composure, please. It's uh, it was a uh, disgraceful. Don't, don't hate, don't hate the player, Harry. Um, some of us were out there. <laughs> No, no, I saw it and I thought, this is disrespectful to the culture. I just like, why? But then I saw like a lot of people were using stuff like Tinder as well, which I think, I mean, Tinder's got its own problems, playing in sort of the hookup culture that's sort of become part of our sort of generation. And actually, in some cases, watching people when you go to parties and stuff, actually meeting for the first time and removing that sort of aspect from it has definitely been an experience as an outsider, really, because I was already established being able to watch from the outside and seeing the way different people were behaving and just seeing... The different interactions is very interesting. Absolutely. Luke and I am on Tinder, so I always challenge this understandable, because I experienced it too, vilification of dating yeah. apps as supporting an element of current dating culture that some of us find quite problematic or may have negative experiences of. <laughs> uh, my philosophy is kind of if you feel like you have negative dating experiences, chances are you may experience them with people you met offline just as much as people you met online too. Something I just want to add, just from what you said earlier about this this pressure to have sex by a certain age, I definitely felt like I couldn't be... Again, uh, Harry, like you were saying, virginity, virginity to- loss, losing my virginity, all language I have long used. And it's as I've gotten older and done the kind of writing I've done that I've forced yeah. myself to really probe it. But at this point... I was using this language and I was like, I can't be a virgin at uni. That was that was my thing. And loads of the girls I remember at six. Because form, if you are, Sophia, what did you think you would be? Like what 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 was that? It's really silly. It's really, really silly. No one would have cared. In reality, no one cares. I know. I mean, that being said, there is like I was gonna say in some cultures, there's this idea of sort of like get with a virgin type sort of thing. I definitely noticed that. I've heard cases where people have like said it like over in like sort of Durham and sort of unions like that, where there's sort of this culture of like get with a virgin or something, and it's like it's yeah, fucking grim. I would say that stuff is so obviously present, but I mean, amongst adults, like I don't think I think we've all had sex. I think we're allowed to say that. I don't think any less of anyone who is an adult who has chosen not to have sex at this age, truly. But where you were at your point in life, Sophia, you were like. Everyone will think I'm, I'm what, like insane? Everyone would think, people would think I was weird and people who I may want to date may not want to date me because of this sexual identity and profile that I have, which a lot of people, researchers also found that a lot of people not only feel that way, but I remember reading one study, I think it was one that had been done in the US, where women who had never had sex like a really high proportion of them had wanted to have sex for the first time with someone who had had sex. They didn't want to have sex with another 
another virgin. They wanted to have sex with a non-virgin. And these the fact that we associate these ideas with these different identities is really is is quite harmful because again you're not looking at being prepared and ready for sex in the right way and if one of those questions that those scientists ask which is in their sexual competence survey were you autonomous in your decision making that means did you do this because you really wanted to and not because you felt pressured and that's not only pressure from a partner that is pressure from society telling us you need, you need to do it now. So we need to be conscious that we do live in a society that holds a value system that is promoting negative sexual health and well-being. Absolutely. And like we exist in this sphere and we have to sort of deal with it. So it's definitely not like all on us, which kind of leads me to, we were talking about dating apps and stuff. I don't hold very much judgment towards young people who are on dating apps and who were hooking up against the rules. And so within reason, I would judge someone if they had gone to a sex or fetish party. I think that is uncouth to say the least. But I I do think to an extent, one of my friends had a long-term boyfriend who lived next door to her, but was not allowed technically to see him. And she broke the rules and I was like, I personally don't hold any judgment towards you. Do any of you guys carry any judgments from that time period of people who did X or Y? Or are we just sort of saying, in regards to sex and relationships, people kind of had to follow the beat of their own drum. What are your guys' current concerns in the realm of sex and relationships now that we are in a post-pandemic society? My biggest concern from the work that I've done is that a lot of young people have missed out on robust, inclusive, comprehensive sex education. And I know that half of 16 to 17 year olds got no sex education during the lockdown period. Wow. And over a quarter had learned nothing over the pandemic about the attitudes and behavior of men and boys towards women and girls. So by that, I think the survey was probably referring to gender dynamics and addressing gender stereotypes that they may encounter and, and wish to challenge. 37% hadn't learned anything about power imbalances. 36% had learned nothing about pornographies. 39% had learned nothing about gender identity. And that's not right. That shouldn't have happened. No, they're just, all these young people have just been left to be totally ill-equipped to move on into their futures. I think you mentioned pornography and I just imagine like we're a generation that has already, I think, been severely negatively affected perhaps by pornography and to continue that cycle in which they may not have been able to see someone who they are interested in in person for two years how and, and instead had to watch sort of images on a screen like how must that have affect I say they how must that must affected all of our sort of psyches I mean I, I have no statistics or anything to back it up all I have is in this situation is personal experience and I can say from personal experience so I would have been about 13 14 the first time I was exposed to pornography and I remember the first time I watched it, it I, there was almost disgust like because I, I was like what the what is this like, it, it didn't I'd heard people talking about it at school and then sort of in my sort of 
adolescence curiosity decided to google it and my first thought was what is this it was the first i remember seeing, i saw it and i never clicked on any videos i sort of just looked at like what was there and i thought this is weird and then i remember watching it and i was like again i find i found this weird and then before you know it been a year or so i was watching it like every day and i became it became so used to it so then the first time i was with a, a uh, with a partner because I've become so used to getting off on that when I was actually with a a person I found myself unable to really to really do anything or unable to finish I suppose I should say because I've become so used to that so then I stopped I stopped watching it and there's been on and off sprees I'm now 21 I haven't watched that sort of stuff in around three years or so because I became so used to it I just didn't want to engage with that sort of stuff I'm very much sort of but for me personally, I'm anti, but I think from my own personal experience and the impact it had on me and speaking to other people who had similar experiences, I'm I'm very much sort of against it. But then also because of the pandemic, that was some people's only way of getting off in, in a way. So it was, a, it was a weird sort of situation. But what you've just described really, really eloquently, by the way, is yeah. an ex- a kind of self-learning experience and you were lucky that in sort of your own decisions that you took when you spotted things that you thought, hmm, hang on, this might not be right and this might be connected to this, blah, blah, blah. You, you figured out a path for yourself where hopefully now you feel a bit better and you feel like... Uh, yeah, I know, for sure. I think definitely with certain the themes and sort of the like genres, I suppose, definitely seeing that sort of stuff. And you start off quite sort of softcore in a way. It's all about sort of, people want to push themselves and I feel like with pornography, for sure, there's definitely like this sort of people want to sort of do things. And that's also the idea of like people want to try stuff out as well. A lot of it is very unrealistic, very sort of unrealistic. And it definitely sort of warps my sense of how women in particular should look. And then especially in regards to in, in the last couple of years when we've had uh, sort of the whole uh, Sarah Everard situation, for example, and a lot of the conversations that came out from that and looking at the male perception of women and how pornography impacts it definitely sort of resonated with me because of my own personal experience of of seeing it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Harry. I really liked the term I think Sophia used, which was self-education, sort of like how you had some reflection and then were able to better yourself. It is somewhat concerning, I suppose, that not everyone is able to perhaps self-educate and so where there would be that safety net of uni or school to kind of teach some of these opinions I'm just thinking in regards to the pandemic there are some young men that believe if they get the vaccine it will affect their virility you know they 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 won't be able to perform and we I think we did perhaps have some of that yeah yeah you're shaking your head I think we lost perhaps nah, some still of that strong triple back still 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 got it it's actually <laughs> and the the crazy thing is it's the the opposite is true if we can say that we know that uh, it could be COVID-19 and long COVID that can have an impact on somebody's sexual function. So yeah. uh, that piece of misinformation was very damaging. Yeah, it's not rooted in science, is it? It's, it's these misconceptions that sort of breed amongst people. Harry, you're the guy here. I don't even know how I'd begin to tr- try to communicate with a guy that like 
hey, the, the vaccine is uh, not going to affect how everything works. You'll be fine, bro. Right. So my sort of stance to the whole vaccine thing was when people say, oh, I'm going to do my research, going to get it. I didn't do any research whatsoever. I'll be perfectly honest with you. They announced on the news, it's safe to take. They had experts come on. Yeah, it's safe to take. This is like, right, get it in my veins. I don't care when it is, get it in my veins. That was actually me and my partner, actually. We went and got vaccinated together, you know, cute, cute date, whatnot. But it was very much like... I got it before it was available to my age group because they set up pop-up vaccination centres. So I study in Leicester. And because of how many cases there were of COVID in Leicester, they set up a set up pop-up vaccination centre there to get more people vaccinated in order to reduce the chances of transmission. So I got mine immediately. We went to go get vaccinated. Yeah, likewise. With the compelling myth thing, I'm not a an expert. I don't have. I'm not a virologist. I have a, two science GCSEs to my name, and that's about as far as my scientific expertise goes. It was very much a case of just going, "Well, look at this. Look at that. This is what's convinced me." But as I said, I didn't do any research whatsoever. Only looking at the misinformation, I would say definitely because of the sort of yeah. the grifters in our media who found that sort of being anti-vaccine or being a vaccine skeptic would earn them a following. I sort of wanted to sort of try. And they, I think they pervaded all communities. So they had to do a number of studies, like in some cases, like to try and say like, look, COVID will affect that. So the way you'll be most safe is to get the vaccine. I was going to say, I don't date men, but I date women. And there were similar sort of misinformation campaigns that were like, okay, they didn't target our virility, but they were like, this could affect your fertility. I remember the fertility ones. But I, I never remembered the whole one about uh, impotency, I suppose. I mean, I, like you, though, got triple vaxxed and was like, the data is clear. I am not a doctor, but I know how to read. I I, I trust yeah. myself to read and tr- and trust that, like, so I've not done 20 years studying female fertility, but, but you have, uh, so I'll listen to you. Yeah. We also have to remember, though, that it's when we start overlapping all these different identities and intersectionalities that it doesn't get as clear cut as, yeah, for me, it was it's the same as you both just described. To, to It was unthinkable. I never thought twice about getting it. Perhaps in the same way as if you see doctors and scientists as somewhat untrustworthy people who haven't always had your back how much are you going to trust them when they say, yeah, 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 put this thing in your arm? Even though I think we all agree that it is the correct thing to do in a more black and white way than perhaps pornography is, it's still completely understandable why a woman might think, oh, I think it might affect my fertility, or a guy might think, I have already had maybe some issues, I don't trust it. Like, I would also like to get that across of like, I think we've made a lot of jokes, or at least I have, but I truly, yes, in a similar way, don't vilify anyone if they are concerned about the vaccine. All I would want to do, hopefully, is talk to someone they trust that has all the correct information. Because I I think there's a a sort of a a good path to take and conversation to be had about that. I think there was also this sort of, uh, particularly amongst all young people, this idea that I'll be okay if I don't get vaccinated. I had a lot of friends who who used to say, you know, I'm a... you know, I, oh, you know, I feel like my immune system will be strong enough to handle it. You know, I think I, I think I'll be fine. And I was like, well, you don't know that. I think for me, I mean, personally, I'm quite fit and able. When I got COVID, it completely incapacitated me. I was, you know, knocked out for a couple of days because of how bad it was. 
Um, I also love our friends to be like, oh, I don't know what's in it. And it's like, your nose is a cat one on every weekend. Like, why are you <laughs> concerned about, like, what, you know, what is, uh, you're concerned, you're not concerned about what's in that, but you're concerned about the vaccine. But again, it just comes down to reading it. But then a lot of with medical journals, for example, if you don't have any sort of experience of reading them, it's one of those things where you have to read it with a dictionary beside you in or medical dictionary beside you to understand a lot of the stuff that's in it. It's about making it accessible. But then when it's made accessible, the then people uh yeah you know they feel like maybe it's too simplified and that it's uh that it's almost like oh why are they simplifying it so much uh why aren't they telling us in this a hundred percent so i was wondering in this conversation about sexual competence and vaccines should we get to a point in a post-pandemic future where we are disclosing perhaps if we've been tested recently and if we've been vaccinated recently is that something that how would that conversation go? Is that something that you guys would be interested in? I just say this for myself because I am always been in a very neaky way, kind of a stickler for getting STD tests between partners, like in a very anal retentive way that has often been labeled as not super hot. And I, for myself, I think I would not feel comfortable being with someone at least long term who is unvaccinated. What do you guys think about that? W- will we get to a point where we are disclosing several things about ourselves before we have sex we should already be at the stage where sharing when we last did an sti test and feeling like it's an open normal non-awkward conversation to say oh well i'm gonna get one and i'd be very happy if you got one too and then the other person should be like great idea yes you know maybe like harry and you two got vaccinated together Go for a little little date. Go for a little sojourn to the to the GUM clinic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now it, now it's all uh, now they send the kit to you, so you got to do it. Uh, you have to do it there. Exactly. Which definitely made it a lot more accessible. I think because of the pandemic, making sort of moves like that. Definitely, a few friends of mine who have been in situations where they've had to get tested, they're able to do it. And it's very discreet, very sort of easy to do. Um, but definitely sort of opening up because also you don't want stuff spreading. The last thing anyone wants is a chlamydia outbreak in a uni horse. That, that that there's that's you know, that's almost as bad as not taking the bins out. Can you imagine a double C outbreak, COVID and chlamydia in one dorm. Ooh. I bet it happened at some point. Oh, I no, bet oh, it happened. Sure, for sure. I think, yeah, you know, combination of I mean if, if COVID and freshers flu didn't uh, wipe out an entire generation of students, uh, I don't know I don't know <laughs> Tinder. I remember there was a point where I don't I didn't use Tinder. I did. I think my girlfriend might be a bit pissed off with me. But um, they, um, you could put your vaccination status on Tinder as a way of like yes. letting people know that you're. I don't Same actually know how that was verified. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether you had to link it to your NHS thing or it was just like a yeah, I'm vaccinated. In the work I've kind of done around misinformation and conspiracy theory belief, uh, if yeah, if something you know heaven forbid but if something happened with my relationship and I found myself sort of in a new relationship the idea of someone being unvaccinated compared to me being a vaccinated person if there wasn't a very understandable health reason uh, behind why they were exempt from the vaccine I would be interested in getting to the source of why they didn't get vaccinated the chances are there may end up in that conversation being something that emerges that shows we come from very two different worldviews. It may show someone questions experts or medical authority 
in a way that you, I think, understandably as a partner, I think, right, what else might this impact or affect in our future? I think it's quite, I honestly think that for how I am, I would find out pretty early on, it wasn't going to work between us, probably long before it would get to the chat where it is revealed they are unvaccinated. Do you see what I mean? absolutely. But if you saw... On Hinge, I would show you guys, but I'll just, I'll paint you a picture. On Hinge, there's like a little syringe and then next to it, you can say like, vaccinated, half vaccinated, never. If I have yet to see anyone with the never, but similarly to you, Sophia, sort of, I think if I saw that on their profile, I think it would be an instant no. Just in the sense that I think it would demonstrate that our values are not aligned in some way. Of course, with the caveat being, if they were unvaccinated for a health reason or for something that I could understand, I would be like, we sort of agree on that. But if if they're electing to be unvaccinated. Well, it comes down to this idea of duty in a way. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say in terms of getting vaccinated, I saw it as an issue with the question of someone's morals. So, for example, the whole sort of wearing a mask thing. I think one of the things the government did great was thrived off division with these measures creating division as such because vaccines weren't compulsory you just you know if it was available you could get it done and i think it kind of showed someone's uh, morals whether they got vaccinated or not everyone wanted to get back to normal and if that's how you got back to normal then then take it same with like wearing a mask as well i still when i'm out and about if i'm in a densely populated place i still wear a mask mainly because it sort of makes me feel a bit more comfortable and also just for personal safety as well. And actually, when you read in the reasons that a lot of sort of Southeast Asian countries start to wear masks, it's because of public health and this idea of sort of caring about different people. You don't want someone next to you sneezing or coughing, you know. But if they're wearing a mask or something that's containing it, it might make you feel a bit more comfortable. So I was very much of the stance that, you know, it, it, it obviously it comes down to personal choice and people may give you a bit of an odd look, but I, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> For me, it's never a question I've thought about because everyone in my social circle has been vaccinated and I've assumed it's a given, you know, all of us dating each other pretty much. It's a given that we've been vaccinated and we know that the majority, the vast majority of the British population has been vaccinated. I went to a work trip in the States in uh, West Virginia. I don't know if you guys know any stereotypes of West Virginia, but they exist. I know some. Yeah, (laughs) good song, good place, (laughs) lovely people. But, of course, I was with some co-workers there. We opened up the apps and lots of people uh, were firmly unvaccinated. And that was certainly a culture shock. They similarly were very anti-mask if we would wear them in stores. I, I, And I can't really, in a similar way, wrap my head around it. I think there's in-groups and out-groups and... Some people will belong to a group that is firmly unvaccinated and firmly anti-mask. And it would, in a, in the sense of a dating or a sex and relationships kind of way, we obviously would not get along. But I would hope the people that remain unvaccinated, I would, I think I'd love to have a chat with them about, about what their yeah. reasonings are. I mean, I, I, know, I know a few people who initially chose not to, but then because of the measures that was going to be introduced, they got vaccinated. It wasn't like it was a choice that they felt was forced upon them. So say like Austria, for example, they were going to introduce uh, lockdown measures or restrictions to people who weren't vaccinated as a way of encouraging people to get vaccinated. The downsides of that is that it 
fuels this idea of this sort of new world order and these conspiracy nut jobs who believe that their rights and liberties are being taken away from them. And it sort of plays into that philosophy, which can be quite dangerous. Yeah. I'm going to lead us into our big question for the episode, which is how are we imagining a post-pandemic future for our sex lives? Big question, because we've been speaking so much about all the possibilities, what what like held us back, how in some ways it was good and bad for us. I'm imagining the future. I am seeing it as a bright one because I have to. I don't know about you guys. My hope is that if we take mental health and well-being more seriously, we take sexual health and well-being more seriously with it. In an ideal world, the government and people in positions of educational authority would be taking it on as a priority right now to really inundate schools with high quality sex education because we have catching up to do if we don't catch up all these young people are going to enter the big wide adult world they're going to be interacting with people like us Uh, they're going to be interacting with lots of people their own age and chaos will unfold (laughs) If we aren't all given a bit of a helping hand, frankly. Absolutely. Harry? I think it's going to be, it's almost going to be like this sort of renaissance, isn't it? COVID isn't really on everyone's minds. I think everyone, there used to be a point where you could ask someone, how many cases and deaths have there been today in the country? They'd be able to tell you. And now these days, I don't know if those stats are even being made as public anymore. It's just, I think it's still just trying to sort of navigate it as well. I think for, I think for me personally, it, nothing is really going to sort of change because I'm quite established. I don't see myself, you know, uh, breaking off things with my partner anytime soon, which I'm sure she'll be relieved. <laughs> um, it's just sort of trying to... But for other people, I guess it will go and go back to a sort of sense of normality as such. It's just about making sure people have access to the right information, Yeah, I would definitely say, and that it is a priority. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I'm super hopeful that there's so much information out there so many resources hopefully as Sophia mentioned the government will have some backing we'll have amazing people online doing stuff to promote good information for young people and all people generally and I mean that just is going to equal a good sex life if you've ever had sex you know that like healthy communication I think it will all trickle down I think the more people are talking the more people are feeling good educating themselves learning I think sex lives are going to go through the roof. And this is real sexual liberty, what you were describing. Sexual liberty and freedom. We're all raised around hearing those things. And the assumption is that means that we can be promiscuous a lot of the time. That That is what sexual freedom means, promiscuity. It will for some people. doesn't for everyone. True sexual freedom and liberty is the, the freedom to... I, to define our sex lives for ourselves free of judgment and with full awareness and information and being informed throughout. That is true sexual liberty. Um, we do still live in a world where, for example, in, the, in Britain, 37% of people mislabel the clitoris on a diagram regardless of gender. It's 40-something percent in terms of the number of people who do not know necessarily that cis women have three holes, as it were. Regardless of gender. Oof. I didn't know that. I didn't know that till I started in 19. I thought it all came out the same hole. Right. 
Same. And I have them. No, all, no not the same. Like the, 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 the two front ones. I thought there was only one hole at the front. And then Sophia yeah. said three just now and you were like, Jesus, what? That would be true sexual liberty. Because how, how do we really know how to enjoy sexual freedom if we do not have sexual knowledge? And that does not mean knowing how to have sex. That means that's a, it's a lot broader and it's, it's a lot... It's a lot more ambitious than that. Well, maybe that's a post-pandemic future, is that men will know, and people of any gender will know that there are three holes in a woman, uh, where the clit is, and uh, we'll have a good we'll have a good groovy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that caveat of all genders is absolutely shocking, I must say. Wow. Yeah, maybe we'll leave it there for this episode. Thank you for joining me guys so much. Please. Drop your handles. What are you promoting? What do you want people to go and find out about you? Harry, you go first. Okay. So my TikTok handle is champagne underscore socialist. Um, and then my Twitter, if anyone is interested in following that, is just the same. It's the, the champagne socialist. And that's it. Hype yourself up. Why should people go follow you? Um, Hype it, Harry. Ooh, I, I like to think I'm... Quite clever. He's really clever. Based, He's yeah. really clever. No. Gives really based takes. Should I make things more accessible? Yeah. And yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> that's it, really. I don't really sell myself that well. Got to plug my book, otherwise I'll get into trouble with my publisher. But one month ago, it's brand new. My brand new little baby, losing it. Sex education for the 21st century. And it's all about debunking sex myths and misinformation, charting who profits from them and who suffers from them and uh, charting a new world of sex education and better fact-based stories we could be telling ourselves. And if you like my content in 59 seconds on TikTok, I hope you will enjoy my content in 70,000 words in narrative non-fiction format. <laughs> uh, but if you if you want to also check out the TikToks, they're at yeah. Sophia Smith Gala, and I also talk a lot more about my day-to-day journalism as a senior news reporter at Vice World News on my Twitter and Instagram. Which is also at Sophia Smith-Gaylor. It's at, at Sophia S. Gaylor because Twitter and Instagram don't let me write Smith because it takes up too many characters. I mean, that's low-key, that's fine because Instagram is ugly now. That is a piss take. I will also say, yeah, Sophia's book has a lovely cover, beautiful colours on it. If that is a prompt for what you want on your bookshelf, just get the book. Wonderful. I think we're going to wrap it up for today then. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Thank you for having us. Great. Thank you. Before we go, I did want to issue a little disclaimer. Not everyone can get vaccinated. There are a myriad of health reasons that would mean someone cannot get vaccinated. Not that they're choosing not to, but that they can't. Our conversation was not in any way reflective of those who are unable to be vaccinated. When we were talking about unvaccinated people, we were almost always talking about those choosing not to get the vaccine. Thanks for joining me, Crispy Lucia, in today's sex and relationship-themed episode. If you've enjoyed hearing my dulcet tones, you can find me at Crispy Lucia on all platforms. To have your say on today's topic, find out more about COVID and book your vaccination if you still haven't. Check out the links in the description at whocaresaboutcovid.com. And catch us next time when we'll be talking about college and uni life. I'm Crispy Lou, and I still care about COVID. Do you? Brought to you by Welland Hatfield Council, produced by Milky Films and Redwood Studios.